Hi and welcome to Illuminating Anorexia and Other Eating Disorders, Self and Body Issues. My name is Michelle Sparks, your host, and I am going to fulfill a request and start to read to you um, a chapter of the book I wrote called Illuminating Anorexia, which, as you will hear, is not just about anorexia. So I'm going to start with the very beginning. He goes, A hurting heart in a lonely place. Nameless friend, I see your face. The anguish inside as you struggle to know why the tables have turned. Where did freedom go? You began with such hope, so sure to succeed. But the stakes got higher. You were dying to please. Now you walk the treadmill and despair fills your heart because you can't see the finish and you've lost sight of the start. If I had a candle, I'd light it for you to warm your cold heart and to help see you through because I know the despair when you're chained to that wheel. But I walk free now from the bondage you feel and if I had a wish, I'd wish this for you that the path out of darkness would shine bright for you. I was 15 years old. The big hospital dormitory I shared with five other teenage girls was dark and still. As I lay awake looking into the blackness, I swore that one day when I understood this, I would write a book about it to help others. This was Anorexia Nervosa. The year was 1978. At the time I had no idea why I was starving myself or how what began as a simple solution to feelings of adolescent insecurity could escalate into a battle to justify my existence. All I knew was that I was fighting for my life. There was a hateful, accusing voice in my head that threatened to destroy me if I failed to keep a lid on the hungry little monster growing inside. I didn't know then that the monster was me. All the bad bits of myself that I had suppressed and denied for the preceding three years as I relentlessly pushed my way towards perfection, hoping to find acceptance and security. But I never arrived at my destination. Instead, I got lost behind a brittle armour of skin and bone, outwardly conforming while my hungry heart grew ravenous. I could not feel accepted, because so much of me had become unknown. And I did not feel secure, because in trying not to be a burden on my parents, I literally became one. My most stringent efforts to be the sort of person I thought I needed to be backfired so badly in the end I wanted to destroy myself, and very nearly did. My struggle with an eating disorder was not primarily a struggle with food or body weight, but with myself. As I travelled the road between adolescence and adulthood, I was deeply conflicted about the sort of person I needed to become in order to feel accepted, not rejected, included, not excluded, powerful over my body and my life. These were the issues underlying my eating disorder. This book traces my journey into restricting anorexia and through non-purging bulimia and binge eating at a time when there was very little light on these subjects. When I was diagnosed with anorexia in 1978, my parents and I had never heard of the disorder before. Eating disorder clinics did not exist. There were no websites or support groups available to sufferers or their families. Admission to Rivendell, the adolescent mental health unit of a major Sydney hospital, 
placed a necessary brake on my descent down the scales, but failed to equip me with the insight, understanding, practical skills or sustained support I would need to recover. My journey forward was extreme and difficult as the following graph depicting weight over time suggests. I know the weight gain following hospitalisation must look terrifying to someone currently suffering with anorexia. If, you, if that's you, please don't be alarmed. I write to expose the beliefs and behaviours that contributed to the fat and thin extremes of my journey so that others might avoid them. My goal is to promote recovery no matter where a person may find themselves along this path. You may be sliding down the scales towards anorexia, grappling with the chaos and conflict of bulimia, or depressed and overweight, allowing your body to broadcast to the world the hate and despair you feel inside. You may satisfy the diagnostic criteria for an eating disorder, or you may not. Wherever you are, I know you suffer. Lack of understanding compounds what is an already an excruciating struggle towards self-acceptance. Your life and the path you have travelled is uniquely your own, but there will be common elements in our experience. I hope by illuminating what was going on for me at various stages of my journey, you will identify with the process and catch sight of your own path out of bondage and into freedom. I hope also to enable those who care for you to see beyond your struggle with food and weight to the person who lives inside and to promote understanding because I believe it helps to heal the hungry heart whose very battle is to be understood and accepted. This is for you, my nameless friend. Chapter 2. Snapshot of a Problem the first time I recognised that my dieting had gotten out of control was on a trip home from an Easter holiday. My family and I had been camping with friends and we stopped for dinner at a roadside cafe to break up the long drive home. I was 14 years old. I had always loved the Easter holidays. We would set up camp by a river, hike during the day and relax around a campfire at night. There was always plenty of food and food had always been part of the fun. But that Easter, the abundance of food had terrified me. I felt anxious the moment Dad announced we were stopping to have a meal. Couldn't we just keep driving home, I pleaded. It felt scary not knowing what would be on the menu. Would I be able to find a meal I could cope with? I didn't want to eat in front of everyone, and I didn't want them to hassle me to eat more. At home, I would have more control over what I ate, and I could easily find a reason not to stay around while everyone kept eating. At home I could escape, even exercise if I needed to. Here I felt trapped and out of control. It made me feel anxious. I also felt angry. I had worked hard all day to keep busy, active and away from food. And I had succeeded. The thought of having to sit through an entire meal watching my family and friends devour all the delicious food that I hungered for but could never allow myself to have was incredibly frustrating. I wanted to scream. When the menus came, I marvelled as usual at the ease with which my family and friends chose their meals. They'd scan the menu eagerly, find and choose their favourite meal without giving calories a second thought. Then, closing the menu, they would continue laughing and chatting about the day's events. That was it. Simple. It was no big deal for them. 
eating was a pleasure, but for me, mealtimes had become an agony, a labour of denial. No, I'm not really hungry. No, I, I don't like that food. No, I've eaten so much today already, you can't imagine how much I've eaten. Lies, all of it. Lies I had told myself and everyone else so often and for so long that I had come to believe them. These lies were my strength. This denial was my shield against the real hunger growing inside me. So I sat in silence, intensely poring over the menu, trying to find something permissible to order. While the conversation continued around me, I quickly calculated how many calories I had expended that day and how many I could afford to consume at this meal. Would I be able to exercise when I got home? Hmm, probably not. So I would have to choose something that I had already paid for. Input, output, input, output. Eating had become simple arithmetic. Finally, after much anguish, I settled on grilled fish and salad, no dressing. It was the safest choice I could make. But when my meal arrived, I nearly flipped. I can't eat this, I shrieked, pushing the plate away and jumping to my feet as if the food would bite me. It's got butter on it. A hush fell over the table and everyone looked up at me, a mixture of shock and bewilderment on their faces. On the plate in front of me, a huge dollop of golden butter was just beginning to melt over the steaming fillet of fish. Quick as a flash, I grabbed a napkin and scooped off the offending butter. The moment of panic passed. Aware of my unexpected outburst, I sank back into my seat, feeling embarrassed and ashamed. All eyes were upon me, awaiting some kind of explanation. I mumbled something about hating the taste of butter, and proceeded to push the salad around on my plate, as if the entire outburst was the most normal thing in the world. But deep inside, a finger of truth jabbed, at the edge of my consciousness, and I knew I could ignore it no longer. This dieting thing had gone too far. I had a problem. I was thin and getting thinner. My jeans hung off my hip bones, my cheeks were hollow, all my ribs were visible, and it hurt to sit. I could circle my upper arm and lower leg with thumb and forefinger, and I had begun to rearrange my limbs at night so I could sleep more comfortably. My mother had been warning me about the perils of dieting for months, telling me about an older cousin who had lost a lot of weight and had ended up in hospital suffering a nervous breakdown. I had laughed at my mother's concern, assuring her that I would never go that far, that I was completely in control. I honestly thought I was. The scene in the roadside, roadside cafe that night was the first time I realised that I was not. So that's the first two chapters of my book and I'll come back and share some more just to let you know too that I have actually pulled the edition that has any reference to numbers off the shelf. So I will only be reading from, and there is only available now, a number free edition. So there is no numbers involved that could be triggering for anyone that may be listening. Um, I'll talk more about the numbers in another edition uh, I do think the numbers have great relevance in terms of being a way to legitimise value and to uh, measure and try and keep a sense of control. But I do understand also that they can be triggering for some people who are especially in a low weight and in that space. And I obviously do not want to be triggering anyone. So, um, yeah. So I hope you enjoyed that and would love your feedback. That book is available as a Kindle at Amazon, also a hard copy, pretty inexpensive and um, really written to help 
just pull back the covers on that journey for me and hopefully by doing that to illuminate some commonalities in your own journey if you or a loved one is on that path into anorexia or through anorexia into other areas of Ednos binge eating. So I will continue with that story in later episodes. But for now, travel well and do please subscribe, rate and review the podcast so that other people can find it. Thanks so much. Bye now.